Hello and welcome to Fresh Dialogues. I'm Alison Van Diggelen. I can only imagine you share my disgust and horror at what's going on in Ukraine this week. It's so heartbreaking. Today in Fresh Dialogues we get an intimate look at the war from a Ukrainian in Silicon Valley who has colleagues on the front lines of the resistance. I asked Sergei Lubarsky what's likely to happen in the next few days and weeks. He explains why he expects an apocalyptic escalation of violence in Ukraine, and he explains how that could be averted. Brits are not inclined to enthuse, so I knew it was significant when my BBC colleagues called my interview terrific and sensational. Highlights of her interview were picked up by the BBC World Service this week. Lubarsky was born in the eastern Ukrainian city of Kharkiv, close to the border with Russia. Today, Lubarsky is a Silicon Valley-based tech entrepreneur with a team of 15 in Ukraine. In our interview, he shared powerful stories from his colleagues on the front lines of the Ukrainian resistance. An insightful perspective on the role of tech companies in the information war, and why we're seeing the birth of a new nation, and how President Zelensky is the George Washington of Ukraine. BBC host Fergus Nicoll invited me to share highlights of my interview on the BBC World Service programme Business Matters. We also discussed the propaganda war in Russia and Ukraine, the role of cryptocurrency and how President Zelensky and his cabinet are expertly leveraging social media to rally support from tech companies and the Western world to meet their urgent needs. I also shared my perspective on Donald Trump's latest speech when he called the US a stupid country and praised Putin for being smart. Given what's happening today in Ukraine, in my view, Trump's Republican supporters should be examining their consciences. We start with an excerpt from the BBC World Service with host Fergus Nickel. How much, Alison, is Silicon Valley, Seattle, the tech sector in the US, part of the global sanction effort vis-a-vis Russia? This is a key part. America's tech companies in Silicon Valley are at the centre of this war in Ukraine. It's very personal for many people in Silicon Valley. Uh, Approximately 20,000 Ukrainians are here working in tech, and there's an even larger amount of ex-Soviet people here. And tech companies, uh, they know they have a moral obligation to do all they can to help Ukraine and stop this pro-Russia propaganda that's going on. So when we see, for example, uh, Apple saying we're not going to sell iPhones into Russia, uh, other companies following suit, is, is that is that harming everybody? Is it harming the people more? Or maybe it's just the elite that use iPhones and everyone else is on cheaper models. It, it may actually be a, a, a relatively strong one. Well, it's really interesting why that happened. I'm really impressed by the masterful masterful use of social media by President Zelensky's team. They are using Twitter, for example, to write personal letters to Tim Cook, naming and shaming the CEO and saying, stop supplying Apple services and products to Russia. And they're using that to praise CEOs like Elon Musk for activating Starlink, the satellite internet service that's keeping their cities connected, emergency services operating. But of course, there's always two sides to it. You know, if if you throttle back the technology, then you you stop the good players in Russia getting the news out and, you know, combating the propaganda that's going on. 
uh, the Ukrainians themselves are also using YouTube videos to show their bravery. I mean, everyone's seen these incredible videos of, you know, men stand, men and women standing up to soldiers and tanks in Ukraine. And they're using the, this, you know, technology in the most positive way to ridicule and undermine the Russian army's morale, which is going to help move things in their um, direction more, more speedily. Tell us who you were speaking to earlier today, uh, and then thanks for that. We'll play a, an extract immediately. Yes. Yeah, so earlier today, I talked with Sergei Lubarsky. He's a Silicon Valley-based tech entrepreneur with a team of 15 in Ukraine. He was born in Kharkiv, near the border of Ukraine and Russia, and he frames the war as information warfare. He says that keeping up the morale of these Ukrainian fighters is key, and he describes Zelensky as Ukraine's brave George Washington. He says his face will one day be on our currency. We're witnessing the birth of a nation. But he did. He did um, express caution. I asked him what, how he expects things to, you know, what's best case scenario, and he said he expects a worst case scenario as he sees that Putin is now cornered with no exit strategy and will use nukes. So he thinks Biden needs to be proactive, and it sounds like things are moving in this direction. He, Lubarsky says Biden needs to have Putin declared a war criminal, and that will make his generals pause. They can no longer say, I was just following instructions. And as, um, um, as Lubarsky says, either they stop or else they'll be strung up. Here's the rest of uh, what he shared with me. Kharkiv is the city under their nonstop artillery missiles attack from Russia for the last three days. So when I see the streets being destroyed, it's hard to explain. The middle school I went to is burned to ashes. I can show you the picture was left over. And you know who burned it? Ukrainians. Because Russians started using the school as an ammunition depot. Kharkiv has no body of water, so we have a tiny bit of reservoir, and uh, the Ukrainian forces blow the dam. So the Russians cannot penetrate the river. So I left the Soviet Union about 31 years ago. I never been Ukrainian by passport. I would never consider myself until the first invasion of 2014. I would never consider myself Ukrainian. And uh, I'm proud to be Ukrainian. I'm so proud of, of my people. I've been working with Ukraine for the last 20 years. I started a number of startups, mostly in hard condition where I employ people there that have a good quality of education. In 2014, we have to evacuate our office from Kharkiv to Lviv, fearing the invasion. Mm -hmm. So we moved the people to uh, Lviv, and I really enjoyed the Western Ukraine as well, which you didn't know much about before. And uh, my last status meeting was last Wednesday. That's exactly what we did. Right now, some of my developers at the front line, some of them flee to Poland. Most of them are subway station or basements of the houses. And do you feel the tech world could be doing more? And what would you oh, have them sure, do? Absolutely. So on that subject, there's a couple of things. It's a brand new world. We've never seen anything like this in human history. It's a war where each person has a cell phone. So it changes things a lot. In Kharkiv, they use Telegram, mostly Telegram, to, yeah. communicate, to communicate the movements of Russian troops. So the Ukrainian resistance using Telegram channels for military coordination, nonstop. We need some water there. 
There are some wounded here. Can somebody evacuate my grandma? We need insulin. It's floating back and forth nonstop. People are coordinating. So everybody taking the footage, hoping that the West will prosecute. You ask what should have been done? Mark Zuckerberg should suspend the counts of people who support this war. What Mark Zuckerberg should do, turn on his, his, his uh, censorship machine and start censoring people who actively support Putin because mm-hmm. there's going to be more corpses. That's Sergei Lubarsky in Silicon Valley, born in Kharkiv. Alison, we'll be back with you in the second half of the programme. Thanks for that. We'll talk more about communications and this communications conflict. In the States, Alison, I wonder, we talked earlier about bipartisanship on Capitol Hill, and I wonder whether, you know, the media in the US, and we're talking mainstream network TV, we know that Fox does not usually have the same position as, as CNN, as MSNBC, etc. What's going on with Ukraine? Are they all on the same message, or are you getting pro-Russian coverage at all? When the air speeches by Donald Trump, our former president, you're obviously getting pro-Russia, pro-Putin messages. However, I think, you know, given the vote today, I think more and more Republicans are going to be examining their consciences and saying, do we really want to align ourselves with Donald Trump, who cannot sing the praises of Putin too highly? So um, I think there's definitely an examination of consciousness going on right now and uh, people are want to be on the right side of history, want to do the right thing. I began the interview with Sergei Lubarsky by exploring how the war in Ukraine has changed how he and millions like him now define themselves. I've never been Ukrainian by passport. I left a whole the Soviet Union passport. I would never consider myself until the first invasion of 2014. I would never consider myself Ukrainian because it was a mute point. I'm bilingual in both languages. And what do you, what, how do you feel about that now? Ah, I'm proud to be Ukrainian. Mm-hmm. I'm so proud of, of my people. Mm-hmm. A week ago, you asked me that question. I said, well, there's a corruption there and this and that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm speechless. They deserve so much credit. Sergei has a team of 15 tech workers in Ukraine. He says some are hiding in subways or basements and some have even fled the country. But some of them are on the front lines of the Ukrainian resistance. Are you concerned that they're they're in danger? Yes. Do you know if any of them are actually fighting? Yes. Several of them joined the Russian the Ukrainian armed forces. It's called National Territory Defense. It's basically National Guard like system. Wow. And are they are they sharing details of that or are they just saying, well, I'm going yes. offline, I'm doing this? No, they're sharing the details. And what, what kind of details are they sharing with you? I can relay you the conversation I had with one of my developers. He said, this is open safari. We're burning their tanks, they're fleeing, and the locals killing them by the bunch. The dogs are eating the flesh, nobody burying them. How are the Ukrainians penetrating their tanks? I mean, how are they? So because of the springtime, they only can use the roads. Understandably, the, 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 they cannot move their uh, weapon system through these open fields. So they can, can confine to the roads. 
So basically, the Ukrainians right now are using the guerrilla warfare. They're using the javelins or other systems. And if you take down the first two tanks, the whole convoy will stop. There is no way to go. They even can make a U-turn and go back. So the, the, the Russian army goes in, like a knife into the bottom, bottom butter, without any resistance until this particular convoy gets stopped. And then and, and, and basically, they start throwing the mold of cocktails. Mm-hmm. It's showing up on the civilian vehicles, and they're throwing the mold of cocktails. We then moved on to the role the tech world is playing and what more Facebook should be doing. If you could speak to, like, Mark Zuckerberg or any of the... the... So Mark Zuckerberg has no problem to... Mark Zuckerberg had no problem to block accounts of people who didn't agree with him politically. Right now, it's a warfare. Mark Zuckerberg should suspend accounts of people who support this war. I don't know how how more simple to say that. It's a warfare. It's informational warfare. There is a reason why Putin took out the the, uh, uh, TV broadcasting station in Kiev. He understands how information is important for morale of his troops. Uh, other way around, what Mark Zuckerberg should do, turn on his 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 uh, censorship machine and start censoring people who actively support Putin, because mm-hmm. there's going to be more corpses. Mm-hmm. The people will not know the truth. Yeah, what would you say to Putin if you had the chance? That is the strangest question I've heard. If you have a madman running on your street, killing your neighbors, do you have a desire to talk to him? Do you have anything you want to ask him? I mean, seriously, I mean, think about it. Why I would ask Putin anything? He's a deranged dude. Mm. Mm-hmm. Not metaphorically. Not metaphorically. You have a madman who has a nuclear strike capabilities on the loose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. No, there's very little I would like to ask of Putin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I understand that. What about Zelensky? I mean, he's showing his true colors. I mean, he's like a, a, a global hero right now. His reforms were slow. He were making two good decisions in one minute. So he was okay. And all of a sudden, he turned out to be, he is a Ukrainian George Washington. Right? Ah, I like that, yeah. He's a Ukrainian Bengarian. His face will be on the Ukrainian currency. Mm. He's the father of the Ukrainian nation. Because what we're witnessing right now, what we're witnessing right now, is the birth of a nation. Mm. Wow. I mean, think about it. He has a bullseye on his back. Mm-hmm. Not metaphorically. There mm-hmm. are several, several uh, special forces, commands, groups deployed to Kiev to kill him personally. Mm-hmm. The whole war has to do with removing him from the power. Mm-hmm. Him and his cabinet. And putting their, the Russian cronies. That's what that's all about. Yeah. A glorious President Biden offering him a ride. And this interesting part publicly. I mean, if you worry about his well being, you can call him. Why you do it publicly? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Think about it. Everything they do is a political statement, right? Yes. And uh, President Biden calls him exactly an hour after the Russian message broadcast. He already flee Kiev. The Kiev doesn't have a president. And what does Zelensky do? He broadcasts his whereabouts, taking his selfie from the window of his uh, building. 
Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was really ballsy, wasn't it? That's what keeps her going. Yes. Yeah. Without his courage, the resistance would probably collapse three days ago. Mm. It's hard to overestimate what he had done. Mm-hmm. I'm curious about your Ukrainian community in Silicon Valley and your business colleagues. Do you feel, are you getting a feeling that it's business as usual for the majority? No, no, nobody, or? Can, nobody can work. No, no, everybody blew to TV, we don't work. Mm-hmm. If anybody think the Ukrainians or Russians to that matter are doing any, producing any poses a lot, everybody's going to TV. People yes. from Mexico to TV. Yeah. The, the, the interesting part, which you got to understand, every friend of mine who is from Russia originally, mm-hmm. the people I'm, I'm used to work with, they call me and apologize. It's, 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 it's unbelievable. Every Russian, ex-Russian citizen who has been to Russia for 20 years, knowing that I'm Ukrainian, calling me is like, I'm still going to be my friend, I'm still talking. Uh, we apologize, we can believe it's happening, and we have such a huge support from that. Can you give me a specific, that is that, that almost moves me to tears right there, Sergei, what specifically are they saying to kind of show you their support? I mean, are they in tears over this? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I have a best friend. He's Moscovite. He's been here for 25 years. We, we used to have a couple of startups together. We're very close friends. He calls me. He knows me well. So he's kind of joking. He calls me. Are you still talking to me? It's wow. Like, yeah, sure. I talked to you. It's like, what language am I talking about? Because he knows. I actually grew up speaking Russian at home. I can speak both. My wife and I made a decision not to communicate in Russian. So every person of a Russian descent, and it's hard to explain, we're all ex-Soviet units. For me, am I Russian, am I Ukrainian, am I Jew? Who who cares? It makes no difference. Mm-hmm. I never hold the Ukrainian citizenship. I left yes. the Soviet Union. Yes, I understand. Yes. So until 2014, if you ask me where I'm from, I'm from Russia, because it was mm-hmm. all the same. Yes. It's yes. just too hard to explain where Ukraine is and where Ukraine is not Russia. It's like, it was as simple as I am from Russia. Yes. And uh, everybody called me and said, listen, we're so sorry it happened. we 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 in tears with you. Yesterday, a friend of mine, I haven't seen each other in five years, he called me, he asked me, where can I donate the money? He was crying. When I'm describing to him what's happening, he was crying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one final question, Sergey. I don't know if you're an optimist or a pessimist, but what is, as you see it, the best case scenario for the, a resolution here? I don't see a best case scenario. I see a worst case scenario. I see a nuclear strike at Ukraine. Oh, my God. Mm. Well, you think about it. Putin has no exit strategy. Mm-hmm. He is an international pariah. He destroyed Russian economy. Russian people lost their savings. Russian mm-hmm. people lost their likelihood. They mm-hmm. suffering badly. Just give you an example. A friend of mine, he is Russian. He is a professor of medical doctors. He has two children in the West, in Germany and France, educated. He couldn't get them back into Russia right now. There's nothing flies to Russia right now. And he couldn't send the tuitions and fees to support them because SWIFT is cut out. Mm-hmm. And he asked me, can I keep them afloat for a while? And when the thing is over, he'll find a way to pay me back. Mm-hmm. It's a simple thing. It has nothing to do with anything. He's a medical doctor and, mm-hmm. and, and an active professor at the end of medical school. 
Mm-hmm. And his question is how he can support his children. That's where Russia is right now. Yeah, yeah. Russia yeah. is an economic stone age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Putin cannot go back and say, you know, guys, on the second thought, that was a bad idea. Let's pull the truth back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so he, has he has no exit strategy. He lost all the credibility, all the support, and 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 uh, I don't see the best case scenario. Mm-hmm. And uh, what, one other question occurs to me, Sergey. Um, I know you have nothing to say to Putin because there's no point in talking to a madman. But what would you say to Biden if you had Biden's ear? Oh. I mean, he's, he's saying no boots on the Biden ground. Biden is doing everything right, one step too late. Mm. Everything he's doing is, is absolutely necessary. He's just one step behind the cycle. Mm-hmm. If his sanctions, not his sanctions personally, but the Western sanctions, what we have today, this Wednesday, mm-hmm. will be in place last Wednesday. Mm-hmm. It will be no war. Mm. So he, the West continuously reacting and not working proactively. Mm. The right move should have been, we're going to impose the sanctions if you stop and we'll remove them. Mm-hmm. If you guys get the hell out. But how can he be proactive today or tomorrow? I'll tell you that. You need, you as the West, we need to declare Putin a war criminal. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't stop him. But it will stop the generals of his army. He will push the battle. Because mm. he will know that the line, I was just followed the command, is not a line anymore. He mm. will be hanged. Right. So that's, the West needs to declare Putin a wartime criminal. plenty of evidence. Mm-hmm. They need to declare that any Russian soldier, general, colonel, 